position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 261 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this uh, early, early Tuesday morning, October 29th, 2019. Which at 1:15 uh, a.m. Pacific Coast time, left coast, coast with the most. Um, we'll get back. We'll, oh, and that would make it for our sequel friends, of course. 2019, 10, uh, 29, uh, oh, 1:15 a.m. PST. Uh, crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. You're fired, Ivor. Ah, yes. Poor, 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 poor. Oh shit. Drink, 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 drink. Mmm. There, that's better. Mm. Oh, so much better. So, let's get straight to our top stories. Uh, do we remember to fire Ivor? Because Ivor, you're fired. If you didn't get the memo, if I, if I didn't, yeah, you're fired. Hit the brick ship, bird. Okay, so. We have a huge show for you this week. And I know we're late, but we're late for a reason. And it's our first top story. So, it's a common thing. Like, everyone, well, at least when I was younger, people like to argue about when exactly the birth of the internet was. And uh, over the last, especially last, ooh, 10 years, 
uh, as more and more authoritative uh, books and uh, journalism have come out uh, from the people behind the birth of the internet um, it's become increasingly clear and everyone has basically reached their own conclusions Mine is not the birth of ARPANET, although this is related to the birth of ARPANET. ARPANET is widely cited as, you know, the first iteration of the internet, which it was. And it had email, it was the first internet, first iteration of email, but I go back a little bit before that. I go back to 40 years ago today. 40 years ago today. October 29th, 1969, Halloween Eve. Yes, yes, my friends, it was the birth of TCP IP connections. Um, and it occurred, and they have the logbook on Wikipedia. You can see it on Wikipedia, and I look at it every, every year, and it's just so amazing. First login attempt was made it hung on low and a successful attempt was made an hour later for login. And that was between uh, fuck I can't find it right now but I'll dig it up and I'll put it in the show blurb because it's it's an amazing thing that you can see the actual um, log entry done in a paper log. Um, and it looks just like if, if you're a system administrator or you know, anything like that, uh, today, it looks entirely familiar, uh, it's like, it's all never fucking work, it's like all fucking chicken scratch madness, and it's, it's nice to have that continuum, because it, it does look a lot like, uh, the logs for the ENIAC and the Maniac, um, and for my logs, for other things, but it was 40 years ago today, that Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play, uh, first TCP connection ever made, uh, and it hung. <laughs> it's so great that it hung. <laughs> they got they got the L O, and then it hung, and then both and then by via phone they they rearranged to make the connection anew, and they got to log in. Um, and that to me is the birth of the internet. Uh, and it was the birth of ARPANET too. So ARPANET couch play. Yes, sounds like a porn for geeks uh also okay so we have a like i i mean it's a it's why we i want i want for once i mean because it's the 40th fucking anniversary right it's 40 fucking years 1969 it's the birth of the unix epoch um well that's actually december of that year but i mean it, it is it's as momentous as they come so i thought i will take two extra days, well, one extra day, and uh, release on Tuesday, so there you go that's why we're late um, the Steam Beta client which if you're not familiar with this and you know, I, we've talked about it on the show at least five times, if you go inside of your Steam client and you click on Steam in the top left corner, and you go to settings on the first page that pops up, the first tab where it says account, it says beta participation and that defaults to do not participate in the Steam client beta, but you can just switch that to participate in it. And uh, now uh, you kind of do have a reason for it because they have launched, uh, Valve has launched through through their Steam beta client, and this is still very much in beta, but it works. Um, we'll talk about it a lot more in the show. 
um, couch play, shareable couch play with shareable licenses. Um, one caveat, but and you know we'll get to that later on on in the show. But one caveat before you get too excited about it is that last time I tested it, which was yesterday, uh, it do, it still does not work for Linux to Linux connections. It'll work Linux to Windows. It'll work Windows to Linux but it won't work Linux to Linux. Um, I hope that they're working on that. They released an update uh, today, actually, or yesterday, actually, Tuesday, or Monday, I mean, sorry, I'm losing my mind, uh, that fixed some aspects of Linux play, especially uh, the ability to share sound if you're hosting as a Linux host to um, a Windows or Mac OS, but who the fuck knows anyone who's gaming on Mac OS? Not I. Um, so they're working on it, but it is amazing. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. Um, that's our feature for the week, by the way, couch play. Uh, now, because of the honor, the honor, because of the momentous event, 40 years of TCP connections, it's amazing, balls. We are not allowed to let that overshadow the fact that this is like our 50th Halloween episode. Tomorrow is Halloween. Or no, is it tomorrow? No, it's day after tomorrow. <coughs> it's a Thursday this year, right? I think. Um, so this will be the last episode that you will hear before we all perish in the zombie apocalypse nightmare. Fuego, so we have a couple of games that, uh, just as a top story, thought I'd throw out there. Um, first of all, being the forest, they're all kind of, they're all kind of verdant this year, because I don't do scary games, but the forest is scary. Uh, the forest is very scary. The forest can be fucking terrifying, actually. Um, the cannibals on the island are very smart, and they are very uh, erratic. They are very difficult to predict. They're very difficult to uh, deal with, and when they strike, they are absolutely fucking horrifying. Um, Especially, like, your first nine days before you can really fight. Um, They are the definition of troublesome. So, Ivor and I, before firing him, I thought I would uh, give you a little Halloween radio play of terror from my recent experiences, now that I have like 17 hours or something like that in the forest, let's see 13 hours, because it's it's so fucking scary, it's hard for me to play but I'm a pussy, anyway, so our story begins with the sea the sea, la mer. It is my home these days. I spend my days divided between the fortress I've built on the shoreline and the boat rudderless out in the bay. For defensive practicalities, I've erected a happy birthday trap. one of three entrances to my fortress. There's the left one, and there's the right one. 
and there's the middle one. The middle one faces immediately rocks that lead into the bay. These defensive practicalities are essential. They are essential. In the center of the, in the center, by the way, it's all walled off with two stone walls that uh, form a circle or a semicircle around a clearing that's inland. And there's a single tree there. On top of it is my treehouse. These are essential uh, considerations due to the neighbors. Neighbors are becoming a problem here on day nine. They attack at night more frequently. And they love the bonfire that I've placed at the edge of the right entrance, right at the end of the wall. They love to walk into that and set themselves on fire, screaming. They are a constant, terrifying presence in my life now. As For as much as you can get used to them, they you just never get used to them, really, because uh, they're so unpredictable. Things haven't been great for me lately. Uh, I've discovered, I've made distinctions between their types, the types of the natives, the cannibals. They're the ones that are covered in blood, who appear to have somehow upset the other can- cannibals and have been exiled from their major settlements. And for me, these are frequently the most trouble when foraging. Everything moves in, in the forest. Everything is in a constant state of shadowy motion, whether it's day or night, everything in your peripheral vision is always moving, leaves, branches, deer, deer that look like people, never mistake a person for a deer, never mistake a deer for not being a person. They're unfriendly. And there are the other kinds that come at you and they are furious. They are much more angry, much more coordinated. These are like the actual cannibal cannibals. These are the ones that run the settlements. And they come at you covered in ghostly white paint. Either from out of the darkness or they wait until dusk. They love to attack at dusk. They love to come to me and my fire, my bonfire. And I feed them to it. I feed them to it. Because I'm always careful. I'm constantly constantly careful gratingly careful so careful it's a creeping terror at the different types the types that don't just laugh and surround you it it all depends on your proximity to home and which home you can get to that's why I, I make my home here by the bay and footsteps do you, yeah, everything makes a sound in the jungle. Someone, is someone there, am I hallucinating? And then at night, faces in the firelight. Faces in the firelight when you haven't, when you slept too long the night before and you have to stay up too late. Faces in the firelight, movement movement they're coming and you know they're coming and now they know that you you know that they're coming speed surprise violence of action and so they attack 
and I am exhausted. I mean, I had a great day, and I, real life, I am stoned out of my mind, and in the game, I am losing my mind. The attack comes, and I'm like, fine, you know what? I ain't never been afraid of nothing, motherfuckers. Bring it. And some get taken by the traps, and some get knocked into the bonfire. And there are a lot of them this time. There are more than I had thought there would be this time. There are a lot of them, and you can't see them for very long. It's dark. There's fucking pitch dark. Except for the firelight. And then fire, ah, these faces, they jump out at you. And... And I am insane. I lose, I lose control of myself. I lose control of myself. And they take me. They take me with the torches, my torch, my flaming, my flaming axe and my flaming torch. It's not enough and they take me. They take me down and I'm being dragged. I'm being dragged to the horrible place that I know so well. So I wake up, of course, hung from the ceiling. Been here before. Every time I've been here, it's not been pleasant. But this time I'm, I've lost my fucking mind this time. I'm like, you know what? I know this place. What the fuck do they have? I've been here fucking. This is my 17th game. Whatever the fuck. What are you going to do, motherfuckers? I got my plane axe. I cut myself down. The bodies disemboweled. Humans. Fellow passengers hanging from the ceiling. are still just dis- disconcerting. But I will not be impeded. I, instead of going the normal way. I decide to make a thorough exploration of this little fucking nest of happy home, fucking blood pools and etc. And because I've lost my mind, they've got nothing that they can't show me at this point. You know, fuck you, motherfuckers. And so I start. How do you get out of any maze? You follow the right wall. And while I made studied explorations of these fucking death caves before, this time I am going to find the way out, the other way out. I'm, there's, I'm gonna find another way out. And I heal myself up, and I loot all the shit, I kill a couple of howling cannibals, and the darkness, and their faces, but I am fucking, I am Indiana fucking Jones. I'm gonna find, get you a pool, an underground pool. I've been to these before. I swim through it. Very fucking dangerous. Find a rope that goes down. Not my first time I've ever found a rope that goes down because you want a rope that goes up. But this time I go down and I keep going down. And I keep going down. I go down many ropes. Finally, the walls, they become a smoother type of stone. They're different in structure somehow. And I'm like, come on, motherfuckers. I ain't never been afraid. And I walk into a room. It is pitch black. I walk into a room except for my torch. And if I'd had time to scream, oh my God, I would have. But there was no time. 
creature with nine legs rips me apart and kills me. Kills me dead. Dead as Dickens. Under, under 10 seconds. And that's the forest. And of course, I reload, different save, and I'm greeted by the sea. was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Special thanks go out to uh, Ivor Molina, who's still fired, for helping us with that. And uh, the music uh, in that was done by me, predominantly, with uh, Vuelvo El Sur from Aubad's Le- uh, Lessons of Tango. Uh, one of my favorite tracks. I used to work with that track all the time. Anyway... So, uh, that brings us to our new and noteworthy, and we have a bunch of great new and noteworthy games, but we'll start with one that's kind of scary, and basically the same thing as The Forest, but it's more of a role-playing, a structured story-based role-playing game, um, that's heavily focused around survival elements, that it's called Green Hell, um, and it came out, uh, pretty recently, uh, I think, um, it's somewhere around 20 bucks. It was on sale when I was originally putting this episode together but that but that sale expired on the 27th, so it's two days ago. It was only 20% off, so it's got to be like 25 bucks. Green Hell does run on Linux uh, just alongside of what ProtonDB.com says. Um, you do need to skip the tutorial though to avoid a black screen of just permanent hang. But other than that, it runs. It runs fine, and it is really good. If you like hardcore jungle survival experience and the force is not exactly your cup of tea, this is you versus uh, feuding native tribes with a sinister 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 story to it. It's got like real narrative in the game, some of which falls a little bit flat, but generally speaking, it is very effective. Um... With basically the same crafting interface as the forest, you know, you open up your survival book, you click on certain things that you want to build to survive, but it goes into deeper depth than uh, the forest, which is kind of refreshing. So that game is scary. So if you're looking for something to play on Halloween, Green Hell is scary and new. Um, Up next, uh, The Surge 2. Somehow they made a sequel to The Surge and it escaped my attention. Or if it didn't, then I forgot mentioning it on the show. For those of you who are unfamiliar with The Surge, Surge ran great on Linux. The Surge 2, I played this morning, runs great on Linux. Um, I'm not sure how The Surge 1 and 2 connect story-wise because I never beat The Surge. But the premise of the surge was it was your first day at work. Oh, wait, you know what? I have talked about the surge on um, the show, but the premise of the surge was you are 
like a paraplegic or a quadriplegic or something like that, you're in a wheelchair and you're going your first day at this new job and they're going to fit you with a great robotic exosuit and something goes horribly wrong as it jacks into your brain, there's an explosion and you get jettisoned to the uh, junk pile where all the misfit robots go, not where all the misfit humans go and you suddenly realize that this glorious corporation that you've been joining has been into some dirty fucking shit and they have some dirty fucking secrets and so what you have to do to survive is rip people apart rip off their limbs, attach them to yourself upgrade your exosuit and escape but you can walk at last um, the surge 2 takes place in that same facility but following a plane crash into the facility and you've been detained and it's the same premise rip off people's arms, get their shit attack unarmored portions of enemies, it is hard it is gorgeous and it is very expensive, $49.99 but that's full price for a triple A game these days and this is a triple A title um the Surge 2 came out last month, at the end of last month. Uh, um, next, for the, you know, that, and it, that's kind of scary. It, it's more like Bioshock. Not Bioshock, the one that everyone knows, the first person shooter. Bioshock, the adventure game from uh, the mid 90s. Uh, so I'm probably the only person who remembers Bioshock. You have two arms, one must be removed. Um, Kanan, that was his name, I think. I think that was his name. Anyway, but that is uh, The Surge 2. We have something for everyone this week, though. So if you're not into that sort of shit, then there is Mo Astray. M-O colon A-S-T-R-A-Y. Mo Astray is a side-scrolling platformer adventure game. Kind of Metroidvania in essence, where you play as a blob in a beautiful... I mean, it, the pixel pixel trash graphics in this are phenomenal. They're the best that I've seen maybe since Hyper Light Drifter. Um, you play a blob of slime, essentially a blob of slime, uh, in a scientific facility, um, and it has a novel uh, control mechanic. I only got to play like 15 minutes of uh, Mo Astray, but I'm looking forward to live-streaming some later on. Because uh, today my whole street's going to be shut down, so I won't be able to go anywhere. So I'll be live streaming for most of today, uh, later on. Uh, hopefully, theoretically, depends on if I just decide to get stoned and go back to bed. Um, <laughs> man, what an episode we've had so far. We we already like kicked out four games. We got our fortieth episode, fortieth anniversary of Arpanet. Fucking TCP baby, login. We got uh, Green Hell. And we have Moa Stray. Moa Stray has an unusual... It's a twin stick. It's designed to be twin stick, but it will work with keyboard and mouse. Uh, I played it with the twin sticks. You use the right stick to aim in the direction that you want to catapult yourself. And it, like an arrow like will come out, just like you know, as if you're playing an archery game. And then you use another button to launch yourself in that direction. And you can stick to walls, slide down walls, and slide up and over corners, kind of the same way that a humanoid person would uh, chin up themselves uh, over ledges and stuff but already there's been so much detail that I've seen in just the first 15 minutes of this fucking game it is really really amazing, it's called Mo Astray Mo Astray will run you, now through October 31st, 10% off $13.49 I mean 
you know, it's not a review, but because I haven't, I've only played 15 minutes of it, but I was very impressed. Then, speaking of very impressed, those of you who know me or who are familiar with the show these last five years um, know that I love me some skateboarding games and that one of the major checkboxes on the uh, super Linux list of games that need to come to Linux for us to be a first-class operating system have been suspiciously skateboarding games. There's never been a Tony Hawk. Uh, The closest that we've had has been Skater XL, which is being developed painfully slowly. Well... I'm very pleased to announce that uh, early last week, I discovered possibly the worst skateboarding game ever to play when you're fucking high out of your mind. It is called Session. S-E-S-S-I-O-N. And it is it builds itself. And for my money, so far from what I've played, I've probably played like an hour of it, it is the most realistic skateboarding game that I have ever seen. Like, you're not going... It is not Tony Hawk. But it is in a free, humongous open world, and you can set up a session, which is like a save point, at any time, and you can record yourself as you do your run, which is really neat. Um, the game is still in early access, but it has, it, 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 I almost said shines, glows, and then I decided on bristles, but that doesn't make any sense. It, it just, it, the polish, it, it gleams, there we go, so, Five synonyms for the same fucking thing. Gleams with polish, even in early access. It is extraordinarily hard. It's designed specifically for twin stick controllers. The philosophy of sessions session is that, and that you can switch this around in numerous ways, and those settings do become very important once you decide how you actually want to play the game, but not at first. Basically, the left stick controls your left foot, right stick controls your back foot. Unless you're Goofy Foot. So, or Mongo, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I skate with my left foot forward. I'm right-handed. So yeah, there you go. Um, Personally, I find the grind system to be very difficult. But once you get the hang of it a little bit, it's not so hard to get... On to, into and out of grinds. What's really difficult is to actually do the specific grind that you want to do, um, because you, until you become very familiar with the controls. Like I said, the left stick controls your left foot. The right stick controls your right foot. So the left trigger, left trigger and right trigger, are what you use to lean your body weight on the truck so that you turn. The same thing in air, and I'm not quite totally used to that yet. So like to turn the board in air is to, you know, land a spe- to start a specific type of grind is very difficult for me. Um, but there are lots of videos, not lots, in fact, I was surprised to not see as many videos of Session as there, as one would think that there might be. But uh, there are people who are very, very good at this game, and I look forward to playing it when I'm not incredibly stoned. Unfortunately, I keep only playing it when I'm incredibly stoned. Um, and that, that does it for our new and noteworthy, so that, let's get straight to our feature. Here we go. Couch play, bitches. Perfect. Oh, my God. It's Bolivians. Bolivians! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. Bolivians! So, as I intimated at the beginning of this 
week's episode, uh, the latest Steam beta client allows you to do something that is really, really cool. Any game that you have that is a, you know, they just say couch play, but I have a huge list of games that run and don't run. Unfortunately, I mainly tested them with uh, a Linux... Oh, by the way, before I forget, huge props go out to Blaster PR, BPR, also known as L Linux Gamer, for hipping me to this and then helping me test it uh, so that we discovered eventually that Linux to Linux does not work. But here's how this works. If you have like a Windows friend or whatever and why it's important, I'll explain how it works first and then I'll explain why it's important second because I think it is very important. So this is called Remote Play Together. And so the way it works is you launch a game like, uh, say, Sky Rogue. Okay, one of my favorite games uh, since we started doing this podcast. Sky Rogue has local-only multiplayer. If, if Any game that has local-only multiplayer will work this way. Let's say that I launch Sky Rogue, and then my friend Long, Long Motion, Longmont Potion Castle uh, jumps online. Jesse jumps online. I'm like, hey, Jesse, you want to play fucking this fucking crazy cool fucking Star Fox roguelike with me? He's like, yeah, man, but I don't have it. I'm like, don't worry. Make sure that you switch your Steam beta client, you know, restart your Steam client with the beta enabled. That's by going to the Steam thing in the top left of your client and then going to settings and then making sure that you have the beta client. It'll ask you to restart Steam. So he does that and then he pings me. He's like, okay, cool, I got that done. Then I right-click on his icon in the Steam client and I select uh, Remote Play Together. And I go back to my game. And then I wait. And bam, he's connected with his controller to my game. So we can play in multiplayer split screen. It does not do anything to the screen. So if your game doesn't have split screen compatibility, um, in general, it probably won't work. One game that is an exception to this is Neon Chrome. Neon Chrome, top-down shooter very much in the vein of uh, Super Smash TV. I'd buy that for a dollar. Mm. Has a local co-op player, but you share the screen. That will also work. Does not work if... Well, at least last time I tested it. It does not work if... You're sharing Linux to Linux. If the other user, if you're hosting, you know, blah. But what this means is they, they don't have to have a copy of the game. This is awesome because it doesn't mean that they get a free copy of the game. It just means that they can play it with you. So, and so their characters are stored under your saved games in general. Another game that worked very well for us was Mercenary Kings, which Jesse subsequently got kind of very involved in. And he's like, beefing up his character and stuff. And that game just shines because it's got four player and there is support for up to four people um, via a single uh, host connection. So you can have three friends who don't... It, it completely emulates the good old days of gaming where you would have to go over to one of your friend's houses to play a game that you didn't have and so you guys would play it together. And I mean, I remember when I was a little kid. Well, I wasn't that little. I was okay. I was 25. And this was during the Lincoln administration. Um, 
I would go over and play Castlevania. Uh, wasn't Castlevania two? It was Castlevania like three. I want to say if there was such a thing, can't remember. Yeah, there there was. There there were a couple of Castlevanias that I missed. I only played Castlevania one and two, and then Symphony of the Night. Um, but I used to go over and we 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 would you know trade back the control. We'd hand off the controller back and forth on desk playing this fucking awesome game. And that was the first game uh, I believe. With, or no, that was the second game with the clock tower. It doesn't matter. Point is, I couldn't play the game at home because I didn't have the game. Well, it does, and it doesn't matter anymore if your friends don't have the game. It's like when you're online, they can. It's like they're at your house, and so they get access to the game if you want to play it with them. This is really cool, and it gets around some interesting licensing conceits um, because they don't get they don't download a copy of the game. It's really just a very specific uh, controller interface thing that's running on top of basically a VNC, uh, you know, like a screen sharing thing. But the controlling interface is what's so important, and you can set up and decide who can control what in terms of the interface in a game. Like you can, you know, it's just a little simple click click thing, like it has like a keyboard, it has a mouse, and it has a gamepad, and you can turn them on and off for individual players that are connected to your session. Fortunately, you can't do it with Soul Calibur 6, or, you know, uh, other fighting games that didn't work with Tekken 7. Also, I want to say special thanks to uh, Master Andy Wan and uh, Ad Knight, um, also known as It's Konya, um, for helping me test all of this shit. Um, the games that we got to work were Neon Chrome, and this is before the last update that they pushed to Steam, which was, like, yesterday. We got Neon Chrome to work, Sky Rogue to work, uh, Cuphead to work, Mercenary Kings to work, um, a bunch of other games, too. Uh, yeah, I'm looking down the list. Hang on one second. Uh... Yeah, but they, a bunch of other games. It's a huge list of games that blah. And the, one of the coolest things about this is that it, if you've loved a game that has been multiplayer centric, uh, but only couch multiplayer centric, no online play, all of a sudden now you can play those games with your friends online. So, like, games that you were forced to abandon once you were like, oh, fuck, this only has, you know, it's designed for multiplayer, but I would need to have friends who would need to have to come over to my fucking house, and I would need to have a setup for that. You know, I need to have 15 controllers and fucking 27, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, now you can actually play that game also with your friends, even if they live in Seattle or fucking across or in Portland or San Francisco or New York or Puerto Rico um, unless they're running Linux too if you're both running Linux then it doesn't work yet but I think that they're working on that um, and yeah that's just huge, it's huge news uh, Blaster PR interestingly brought up the idea that it it's like Steam try Valve trying to compete with Stadia, but I don't really see it that way because Stadia is just one screen, one player, as far as I know. Um, because everything else is online. It's like totally like you're streaming, you're already streaming the game to yourself, you know, to, to your TV, 
with Stadia. This, however, means that no one, I mean, only one person has to have a license for the game. And because the license isn't being transferred to another player, because they're not downloading any software or anything, they're just live streaming the game with you, but with this unique controller interface, it's almost like more like KVM, keyboard video uh, mouse, or uh, keyboard uh, video mouse, yeah, KVM, um, than it is VNC or that it is like Stadia. Because, and one of the coolest things about this, like, and this is a happy story about this, is that, you know, Jesse ended up, he liked the game so much after just, and you could just, like, fucking, because you invite people to the game, you could just, like, invite attack people. It's like, okay, fine. All right, well, we're done with this game. You just alt F4 that game, and then invite attack them to something else. They have no fucking idea what the fuck the game's gonna be. Um, they did fix a bug that if for Linux hosts it wasn't sharing the sound. Now the sound is now the sound is shared, and seashell she sells seashells by the seashore, and uh, yeah, but that's really cool, and it's a really neat feature, especially if there are games that um, not just games that like you know you've abandoned because you know you don't have anyone to play it with locally. Or because local multiplayer is such a fucking pain in the ass. I stopped buying any game that was like local multiplayer because, you know, blah, there's Battle Block Theater, which has, you know, that built in. But now you can even play that without anyone having to buy a license for it. So you can show people games, um, etc. So this opens, this does a lot of good things all at once. It expands the catalog of games that are available for Linux play just by virtue of the fact that like I there are games that I don't buy because they're local multiplayer only um, along with a whole host of other fucking implications it's really cool and I'm very surprised that it works and that they are not uh, beating the drum around this a little more because it is like I'm sure that like if you're a jaded you know 15 year old these days you know who's just been used to having all this shit fucking work for you magically I'm like oh whatever I'm I'm busy pl- you're probably busy playing Fortnite okay that's a good good point yeah um someone someone mentioned to me this week I was talking to them about this and they're like oh you're probably busy playing Fortnite I'm like ah oh, yeah you're probably right can't remember who that was otherwise I'd give them credit for that insight but for no motherfucker like me it's pretty cool. So that'll do us for this week. That's our show. Um, be sure to check out some of our new and noteworthy Mo, Astray, Green Hell, The Forest, which works great with multiplayer. Oh, yeah, I wanted to tell you that story, too. But uh, So Captain Sands has been torturing me for, like, two weeks. Let's play the forest. Let's play the forest. I'm a master at the forest. We jump into the forest, and he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, you're supposed to be the fucking master. I'm already, like, I've chopped down, like, four trees at this point, and, like, I'm building a fucking house and shit. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I want you to get out of my fucking game right now, motherfucker, is what I want you to do. You're the fucking master. You can't infer by what I'm doing what I want you to do. I mean, I don't want to ruin anything for you. I'm like, okay, get on voice chat or get the fuck out of my game. Like, because you're wasting my time. You're making me, you're not only are you slowing me down, you're slowing me down by a factor of three. Because now I have to, like, not only just do what needs to be done, I have to explain what it is I'm doing on top of explain what I want you to do to do what needs to be done. I mean, it's like, oh, you're a master at this game? You fucking play like a noob. But uh, that's one of the fun things about the forest, too, is that you can, ju- I- I'm sure I'll give him another chance one day when he's feeling better. 
<laughs> probably never join my game again, but whatever. Fuck him. He's a good friend of mine. He's a nice guy. But it was just one of the most irritating bad experiences ever in multiplayer gaming history. But that'll do us for this week's episode. I hope we gave you a, quite a little scare with our Halloween the Forest thing. Um, I doubt that it was that scary, but if you've played The Forest, then you know why it was scary. So you should play The Forest, is what I'm trying to say. And there's also Green Hell, and then Moa Stray, Session for the Skateboarders, The Surge 2 for the the Techno Geeks. Have a happy, safe Halloween, and uh, I will see you in three or four days uh, for the next episode of Oh, Best Linux Games Podcast. Cheers! We'll close... uh, close with uh, what Ivor said to me after I told him that I was happy to have him work with us for forever and I would stop firing him but I need to know what I could do to better help him at his job cheers thanks for listening next well later on this week bye bye now you listen now you listen for you're going to be a meek little housewife with horn rimmed spectacles and you're going to stay away from men and juke joints and booze and pinball machines and you're going to wear a skirt and low heeled shoes and you're going to wear a girdle and especially a girdle business bad fuck you pay me oh you had a fire fuck you pay me place got hit by lightning huh fuck you pay me Four or five times. a good idea Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna cry. Four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're going to have such fun. Bebop 1. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop 2. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop 3. Yada, 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 yada. Four or five times. Matt Damon. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, is it fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.